50 years ago on the holiday weekend in late January 1972, from the 29th to the 31st, the very first Sunbury Pop Festival was held. It was the first of four festivals that were to be held at a site near Diggers Rest and Sunbury, north of Melbourne, about an hour out of town. And the lineup was quite incredible. It consisted mainly of Australian acts, and that very first lineup had bands like Black Feather, The Bushwhackers, Captain Matchbox, Carson, Chain, Company Kane, Greg Quill and Country Radio, the indelible Mertzeps and Spectrum, as well as Tamman Shud and Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs were probably the headline act. There were several albums released of material, including a double live album by Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, and future lineups included people such as Johnny O'Keefe in 1973, along with, in later years, 1974, Queen as the first international act. They were basically booed when they went onto stage, and Freddie Mercury said that when they returned to Australia, they would be the biggest band in the world, and he wasn't far wrong with that. Skyhooks also didn't get a great reception. People such as Renee Geyer also appeared at the festival, Wendy Saddington, a who's who of Australian music. And one of those musicians who appeared in a number of bands was Karen Tolhurst, the guitarist, best known for his Dobro playing. And he was in Greg Quill and Country Radio for a couple of years and then the Dingoes. And I caught up with Karen to have a chat about his memories of the Sunbury Festival. Let's start off with a song from an assembly called the Southern Contemporary Rock Assembly and uh, their version of a classic blues song. And then we'll have a chat to Karen Tolhurst and we'll hear some associated music. And later on, we're going to be talking to someone who was also at Sunbury as a punter.
listening to Off the Record on the Line, a musician who appeared at the first three Sunbury festivals, Karen Tolhurst. Thanks for joining us, Karen, to look back on the past. I hope we're not trying to look back too far. Well, it's a stretch. <laughs> it is the 50th anniversary today. Yes, and I was there, so bear that in mind. So that could have affected the memory in some way. But you do vaguely remember being there. I do, yes. You were with Country Radio at that stage, weren't you, with Greg Quill? That's right, yeah, that was the first one, yeah. So what were your thoughts when you... Well, what sort of gigs was Country Radio doing at the time? How long had the band been formed? Well, the band was around for a while before I joined them, but I joined them not long after I got out of the army in, what was it, 1970. And um, I uh, moved up to Sydney and joined Country Radio. We, we were doing, you know, like just the regular routine around, around the country, um, doing pubs and small theatres and stuff like that. We'd never encountered a, a huge concert audience, though, in our lives. It was a whole new, new experience. So I imagine, was Gypsy Queen out by that stage? It would have been, wouldn't it? Uh, was it out? No, it wasn't. It was out, yes. It, it had come out? Yes, it had, yeah. So you would have been pretty well known to the audience uh, by that stage. We had a bit of a profile, yeah. It had been a, you know, a moderate hit, and uh, it, it certainly got us, got us known around the place, for sure. And uh, I think by then we were just about to release Winter Song, and we did that at Sunbury, which um, has appeared on, it's up on YouTube, and uh, there's great video of it. But uh, uh, anyway, video. that's where we were at at the time. I've seen the video of Winter Song from the 73 festival, but I can't find it from 72. But I know that on one of the albums released after Sunbury, uh, The Stars of Sunbury, there was a song that was uh, from um, uh, country radio. I think Listen to the Children was released on that particular album. That's right. They released a couple, I think, a couple of variations on in that compilation series and um they they feature different different songs on each one what were your thoughts when you were first approached about doing this festival i don't know if you had done any similar festival there weren't that many festivals that had taken place by that stage there were a few there were a couple of smaller ones that had been i think launching place was before that and uh, but that i played that not with country radio but with uh, adley smith blues band so that was definitely you know Pre, pre Sunbury, and I think there was one in Sydney, Orimba, mm-hmm. yeah. as well. I seem to remember, and I think that was pre Sunbury as well. Um, but we, we uh, as as country radio, we hadn't played a festival like that, or you know, a, a big audience, anything over, you know, maybe five hundred people up until then. And what were your impressions when you got there? Well, it was, it was kind of chaotic because uh, it wasn't like the organised thing you get these days at festivals, you know, with, with everything, all the infrastructures in place and you've got everybody who knows what they're doing, they're real professional at it now. But back then, people were sort of making it up as they went along. So it was it was a kind of chaotic scene when we arrived. People just scattered everywhere under this hill and a big uh, big stage set up and uh, it was kind of... Yeah, it, was, it was a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Um, so uh, we, we got there and mostly hung out backstage, you know, talking to other musicians and hanging around and getting into a bit of trouble. Uh, but it was, it was, as I say, it was a whole totally new experience for us. People who have been to festivals over the last few decades would be surprised, if not shocked, at what people went through back then at Sunbury. It would have been pretty primitive by modern standards, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was, you know... <laughs> every man and woman for themselves, you know. 
Um, there weren't, you know, it was pretty primitive kind of health facilities set up. Um, people bathed in creeks and, uh, and there were no like big food stands and all that. It was, it was all very primitive, very, very down to earth. It, it was it was it was really hot too, you know. I remember that that weekend, and uh, you know, the people just standing out in the sun all day, no sunscreen, of course, and uh, drinking, sucking more piss, you know, as they were instructed to do from the stage. By Billy Thorpe mainly, wouldn't it? That's right. It's the main instigator. I think the M- the MC <laughs> was Jerry Humphreys. That's right. Did you stay out at the site, or did you sort of go in there? What, what when did you play? What nights? Uh, we, we played an, an afternoon as the sun was setting mm-hmm. after a, a day of heavy rock and roll. And we came out with acoustic guitars and stuff, you know, and mandolin and uh, totally, totally different kind of atmosphere descended on the crowd. And uh, everybody just calmed down and had a great time. It was, uh, it was yeah, I couldn't believe the response from the audience and, and, and the size of the audience was you know, just, wow, what is this? You know, it was, it was a, uh, something to behold. It was a pretty incredible lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, from what I can remember, um, obviously the, you know, the big, the big thing was the big thing was Thorpey. I'd never heard a band so loud. Well, actually, I had. I heard him because we used to support Thorpey and lobby at, at, at the Thump and Tum in Melbourne with, with Adley Smith. And I remember them dragging in, you know, stacks of amps in, into a small, tiny space, little club, and just crank it out that was so loud but but then with with the with the help of sound reinforcement from the pa the, the, you know it was, it was truly <laughs> truly quite a sound it's like i've never heard before i uh, i wrote a song a little while back about uh, it was inspired by the way some people treat me people i used to know and uh, i think i freaked out too much acid and too much smoke and whatever and booze but uh, so i wrote a song called most people i know I think I'm crazy, and uh, this will be coming out as a single for us in about a week or so, so he like to listen to the words. Times I act a little hasty, but if that's my way, and you should know it, then in every way, help me to show it. All right. Ooh, yeah. For most of my life. I lived a delusion, yes. Material gain has caused me confusion. But slowly in time, I learned that my place is to tell all that I need the glory that
Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs recorded live at Sunbury in 1972. Most people I know think that I'm crazy. And we're talking to Karen Tolhurst about the Sunbury Music Festival. Well, Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs released their own sort of double album, didn't they? Aztecs Live at Sunbury, which has sort of gone into That's Legion. Right. Yeah. And then mm. you you played two more Sunburys at least. One one with country with Greg. At Bell. least two. I think it was I think it was three more. No, no, I only played one with Country Radio. Yeah, one with Country Radio and then one with the There's only one. Ding, with the Dingoes. The next one was with the Dingoes, yeah. Oh, okay. And followed yeah. on there with the Dingoes. We did I think three. Yeah. With the Dingoes, yeah. So how did the how did the festival develop over those three years, for the following three years? Ah, uh, gee. Well, well, not it wasn't it wasn't a rapid development. I mean, you know, it was still kind of the same same setup each year. I guess I guess they must have improved the sound over the, over, over time, um, gotten used to the big outdoor settings, and um, I'm sure that improved the uh, probably the backstage catering was a bit better, uh, <laughs> a little more healthy maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, but but apart from that, I don't, I don't really remember that much about it. Really, it, mm. it sort of came and went, and uh, we all moved on. I think I think after we were done each time we just we just left you know we didn't hang around mm. so I didn't get to see too much of it uh, we just got in and got out. It has gone down in legend somewhat as uh, in importance, hasn't it? And uh, I'm wondering, I suppose the fact that you were pretty shocked by the size of the the audience that it was so big. I guess you would have had a hint of maybe uh, things to come. You know how it might be perceived in future. Well, yeah, it's uh, because it opened the door to to major outdoor events and you know big stadium events too you know and um you could see you could see that was the change um i mean it changed around the world but uh, it changed a bit earlier overseas in, in america because they had woodstock in 69 and you know that changed things there but australia was a little bit behind that but once it kicked in once somebody was a success that became then the template for other other other, other events you know to come and yeah it was definitely you could see this was the future you know this is where it was going hey um well woodstock was kind of the festival of um music and love and peace and whatever what what was some it's and somebody's called australia's woodstock but it was quite was i'd it say love and peace it had a quite a different vibe to it well i wasn't at woodstock um <laughs> yeah uh, but um, from what I've seen, yeah, that was a, that was kind of a different crowd, I guess, a much more mixed crowd, cross culturally, you know, and everything. And uh, us, you know, being Australia, it was a bit more, a bit more, you know, just us, you know. Mm, yeah. And um, and there was um, hard to make comparisons, really. It, 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 I don't think you can. There were separate events and in different places. It wasn't long after those first two summaries that Greg Quill went over to Toronto, isn't it? And then, you, and then the dingoes were formed. Yeah, well, um, I, about six months after Sunbury, I guess the middle of that year, I left Country Radio to, to form the Dingoes. And uh, Greg did a solo album in Sydney, um, Outlaw, Outlaws Reply, and then he got a grant to go overseas thanks to Gough Whitlam. And um, so he took it up because it had always been his plan to move to Canada, which is kind of why I, I left the band anyway, because I, I had no intention of going there. But Greg had this dream of you know going to Canada and making his way into America. And um, so he, he followed that. And I, I stayed here and formed the Dingoes and went on from there. I think the most controversial um, summary was the 1974 one when Queen appeared. And you were at Queen. That with the dingoes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we played that one. Yeah, I think I, I think I saw one song and left. They didn't go down very well with the audience, did they? 
No, they they they, they weren't. They, let's say they were ahead of their time. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they thought they were for sure. You know, once they started getting overseas acts and stuff like that, I guess the the costs went up, and and there were more demands, I guess, on the whole setup. And maybe they just I, I don't know why it folded, but um, mm. I can only imagine. Maybe that period just ran its course by the mid seventies. You know, like that that whole culture kind of was fading, and you know things were changing to disco and clubs and other forms of entertainment and it sort of went in, in, into into hiding for a while that whole big outdoor event thing i mean there was still some around but i think it ran its course Will and Country Radio featuring Karen Tolhurst. 
on guitar, one of the songs that was actually recorded at Sunbury in 1972, I believe. Well, it could have been 73. The date of the recording is a bit disputed. Uh, the band featuring Greg Quill on vocals and guitar, Karen Tolhurst, as I mentioned, on guitar, Chris Blanchflower on harmonica, uh, Tony Bolton on drums, and John Boyce on bass. In fact, there's a video of that performance, and you can see in the background someone who went on to become a very well-known promoter, Michael Chug, delivering beers to members of the band during the performance. And we were talking to Karen Tolhurst in interview about Sunbury. We also heard Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs recorded at 1972 as well. Most people I know think that I'm crazy and uh, that has been recently, well I say recently, in recent years, re-released. And we heard the Southern Contemporary Rock Assembly, which sounded like an amazing group, and their version of I Just Want to Make Love to You, featuring Mickey Layton and Cheryl Black on vocals. An incredible lineup. Of course, it wasn't the first rock festival in Australia, but I guess it's gone on to become one of the best known, if not the best known. And someone was who was at the first two summary festivals is Ken McLeish, and I caught up with him to have a chat about his memories of his summary festival attendances. Ken McLeish, it's lovely to catch up with you, and it was only just yesterday that I found out that you were a veteran of the Sunbury Pop Festival, something I, I don't know whether you deliberately kept it hidden, but it's one of your many, many secrets, and uh, I'm, I was very impressed. Tell us all about it. Well, I think I've been crapping on about it for years, to be honest. <laughs> Just shows you how much you listen to me. Sorry, I mustn't have been paying attention. <laughs> no. No, well, you know, yeah, I, it, it was amazing, of course. And uh, 1972, eh? That was, a, that was a hell of a year. I mean, just to set the picture, I was at school, so I was 15 and um, going to Brighton Tech, year 10 at Brighton Tech. So we caught the train, my, me and my mate Glenn, you know, who um, I learned so much about music over the years uh, from him. He, uh, we went down. We, did, we, we, we had nothing with us. As my memory of it is that we had no – we didn't have a sleeping bag. We didn't have anything. We just got on the train and went there because, um, you know, we were – mainly because we were big Billy Thorpe fans. We loved Billy Thorpe. And so that was uh, the draw card uh, for sure. Um, but then there were just so many – so many great bands there at that time, weren't there, Brian? There were indeed. Now, Ken, I've spoken to another friend recently about their experience of going to Sunbury. They turned up with nothing as well. They just said they didn't bring a tent. They didn't bring anything to eat or drink. They were with a friend and their father dropped them, her father dropped them off at the at the festival and then picked them up at the end of the weekend, but they were completely unprepared. I don't even think they had hats. Well, Look, I think that was the modus operandi. I think a lot of people didn't have anything. They, and you know, I remember sleeping by the creek, you know, and uh, and just washing in the creek like a lot of people did, and um, it was just fantastic. You know, is there a bit just, of nude uh, bathing in the creek there. Well, I know it is a family show. I know, Brian, but yeah, there, there certainly were. And, and being a fifteen-year-old boy, you know, it was intriguing to say the least. I've got one memory where um, I was watching a girl trying to catch fish in a bottle. She seemed to be lying over across of a across a lilo, and uh, I was a bit intrigued by that. And and um, she invited me on to the lilo at one point, you know, to to uh, to join her and. Um, she didn't seem to have any clothes on. And uh, it was a time of change for me, Brian, because 
my up until then my sole ambition was to play for the St Kilda Footy Club. But something about that festival changed my ambitions. I think. You know? Well, I can imagine being invited onto a lilo by a naked stranger would certainly yeah. change one's life. Well, it's started to give me, a, you know, different ambitions is all I can say in a family show. Yeah. Now, listen, what about food and drink? And oh, like, how how well, were supplies there? God, were there any vittles? God knows. I can't remember that bit. I must have eaten because I was fond of eating and drinking at the time. I think I was early in my, you know, alcohol drinking career. I did start reasonably early. But um, you know what? I can't, I can't remember, Brian, that bit about what we ate and drink, drank, but it didn't seem to be a problem. I, don't, <laughs> I can't remember us all going around saying how hungry we were. We were Everybody was just having a whale of a time, you know. Were there any and, toilet facilities there? Ken, paint us a picture because it seems quite different from modern festivals in terms of facilities. Yeah, look, um, basic. You got to say basic and not enough. The creek was a well, you know, was a well populated sort of place for all sorts of uh, activities. I'd suggest. Um, I, I think by the time seventy three came along, I think my memories are better of seventy three. Mm. For sure, and it, it improved, of course, because it was, you know, 72 was just, I don't think they expected the crowds and, you know, it was thrown together a bit. But 73 was a bit more organised and we we had more, you know, camping equipment and we got a bit more set up for it. And um, by then I had left school and, you know, was kind of a little more <laughs> grown up at 16 and not 15. But, you know, my musical taste was, was all about, you know, what was kind of Yobbo Rock at that point. You know, it was all Lobby Lloyd and uh, and Billy Thorpe and what have you. But there were still some amazing bands, weren't they? Because the, the, the way I, when I reflect on it, I think it was a big change in music, wasn't it? Because there was a lot of very sophisticated bands around at that time and who, who did perform at Sunbury. And I think of, you know, Mackenzie Theory and Healing Force and these sorts of bands. But I think that was... The change was that, you know, we, we got into this pub sort of drinking, beery kind of rock, you know, from bands like Lobby Lloyd and Billy Thorpe. And uh, and that kind of really took over the scene then for, for a long time, you know. So it was more your beer drinking rather than sort of dope and any sort of marijuana stuff like that? Well, I remember um, sitting around in 72, I do remember I sort of made friends with some hippies because, you know, there was still the hippie scene was still pretty big and they were at Sunbury. So there was very much the hippies and, the you know, the, the drinkers and the yobbos, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I remember making friends with some hippies, older people, you know, they're probably 18 and 19, and they were great. And I remember sitting around playing guitar with them and they were very welcoming. I think they probably helped us out, you know, with some drink and and anyway, they got busted, I think. They, in fact, I know they got busted in 72. And uh, and I just remember being devastated, you know, because they were so nice. They got busted for having joints. Uh, so that really left a, a nasty taste in my mouth, so to speak. And uh, I remember just thinking, wow, that is just so unfair. They're just so – they're lovely – harmless people you know they're not they're just having a smoke so that that i remember that really stuck with me you would have seen johnny o'keefe at the 1973 festival oh definitely you know definitely uh, johnny o'keefe was fantastic he, he when he first came on I and mean, you imagine everybody's coming on stage in jeans and hair down the back of their you know their back and you know it's all pretty rough and it's all pretty rock and roll and hippie like and 
Johnny O'Keefe, introduced by Paul Hogan, who was the host in 73, uh, introduced as some newcomer to the scene, I remember, and he was in a white suit and the band was all dressed up and and they sounded brilliant, you know, and he didn't say much, he just knocked it out and it was really good. And, of course, he did Oop Oop Doo, which was one of Billy Thorpe's big songs. That was the big call and response song, you know, with the whoa. And he did that and it, it was just like a sort of a cool rock and roll doo-wop sort of version and and he just won the crowd over, you know, and it, it was sort of a, an old boy, an old proper rock and roll showman really showing people that uh, he's got it and always did have it. And I really remember Johnny O'Keefe well in that, in 73, for sure. So you went to the first two, you didn't go to the final two festivals featuring Queen and then Deep Purple. Well, no, uh, I'd sort of once, I'd sort of lost interest once that, uh, you know, they started introducing those sort of international bands um, so I'd kind of just dropped off that kind of thing, I, you know, at that point. But I, I think I was just really lucky, you know, the age I was and um, just the innocence of it all to, you know, for the first two because I think it lost a lot of its innocence and I, th- I think it lost a lot of its spontaneity. And uh, I, I think anyone that went from 74 and 75, you know, uh, they don't see, they don't regard it as fondly as 72 and three. And of course, there were musical changes, weren't there, Brian? Because I don't think Carson, who were an amazing band, I don't think they performed after 73. I think that might have been one of their last shows. And not to mention uh, Greg Quill um, and Country Radio, who, you know, I remember them really well because they were, you know, such so distinctly different to the big rock and rollers and the kind of progressive bands like Mackenzie Theory, but I really loved country radio. I remember that performance well. I remember Max Merritt really well because uh, my brother was into Max Merritt and used to see him at places like, probably places that you used to go to, Brian, like Thump and Tum and Bertie's and and I was too young to go to them, but uh, I loved Max Merritt and his shows were just just brilliant, just immaculate, you know, just pure uh, quality you know i really remember max merritt and i remember i remember a jam and i think you can get this jam now on you know aztec music have sort of brought out it wasn't on the original live sunbury album but i think you can get it now and that was the jam between uh lobby lloyd i think it was sunday morning in 72 between lobby lloyd billy thorpe um friends so that was leo de castro wasn't it yeah um and who else? Anyway, it was it was a Sunday morning jam, which which was great, you know. And I think that was a bit spontaneous. I think you can actually get that uh, jam now on record. Yeah, there's lots of footage on YouTube as well. You, I'm going to let you go so you can go onto YouTube later on and relive <laughs> those moments, uh, crack a few cans of beer, and uh, thanks for sharing those memories with us, Ken. Oh, no worries, Brian. Thank you. Some called some good advice.
Spectrum recorded at Summary in 1972 featuring Mike Rudd and Bill Putt. Some good advice and we were talking to Ken McLeish about his memories of the Summary Music Festival or Pop Festival. 50 years ago it started in January 1972. Seems incredible and it's gone down in history as one of the legendary rock festivals in Australian music history. Thanks for listening to the Rhythms podcast and you can check out the Rhythms website at rhythms.com.au. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова